All right, everyone, it's Thursday. I'm Andrew Dow. Time for our Happening in the Hamptons podcast, our weekly breakdown of the Hamptons market, new listings, and events on the East End. We are sponsored today by New York Title Abstract, the Hamptons' leading title insurance firm. Be sure to visit NewYorkTitle.com. Joining us today, as always, Steve Glick and Dave Rettiner, and today, a first-time guest, long-time listener, I assume, Larry Haig. How are you, sir? Very good. Good morning. Well, uh, welcome to our little Thursday show where we talk all things real estate, and today... With you, we'll talk a little bit about Sag Harbor. I know you're kind of hyper-focused on that. You got an interesting background, as a lot of people do. Nobody ever just jumps into real estate. It always feels like somebody came from something else, another industry, and you were investments. So, well, I guess I'll start with that. How does investments, and I mean, it almost seems like it explains itself, but Mm -hmm. investments and real estate, what's the correlation? How does one help the other? Uh, they're one and the same, <laughs> especially in the Hamptons. Now, you weren't like real estate investing, right? I mean, were you on Wall Street or? I was on Wall Street yeah. for over 35 years. So oh, what's wow. the better you investment? You look like a Wall Street I mean, guy. Yeah. He's very sharp dressed. He's the yeah, nicest guy in here. We don't yeah. have the video on today, but you know, the blue <laughs> blazer, he's got guy. the Hamptons look. Um, but all right, so you're on Wall Street and, uh, and, and what's the better investment? And would you put your money in real estate or, or stocks and bonds and all that other stuff, which I don't pretend to understand? Well, um, I think, I think, you know, I, there are a couple of points there. It's, um, in terms of my background, I was in the fixed income side of the markets, which is all bonds, not the stocks. So okay. I would always put my money in the bond side. Okay. Um, well, there you go. Answer and, that question. Because it's, guar- it's guaranteed. It's guaranteed. Uh, there's nothing guaranteed. But anyway, <laughs> but the, the, I, I, you know, it's kind of interesting. You know, um, one of the issues I think that kind of goes on with, which is a driver for a lot of the real estate market out here, because these are largely second homes for most people. Um, has to do with alternative investments. Mm-hmm. And alternative investments as an asset class has grown to, for the ultra-wealthy, that's uh, people with over $30 million in, in portfolios, mm-hmm. that it's it's gone up to about a 50% mark uh, for the ultra-wealthy. So if you have, look at the numbers there, right? So if you have $30 million, you're going to get a $15 million of your money, not in stocks and bonds, but in alternative investments. Okay. Real estate is an alternative investment. Gotcha. Um, so it's real. Um it's a it's a real investment. So it's not necessarily about the marble in the kitchen. Um, it's about the marbles upstairs, the people making the investments in property out here. And I think that's really uh, an important distinction. And how did you at. make your way? How did you transition into selling Hamptons real estate? Like um, my well, my transition has a little bit of a sad story. Um, uh-huh. But uh, I was on Wall Street for thirty five years, ran fixed income sales for different firms. Um, and uh, I transitioned out here um, when I my wife uh, had ovarian cancer, oh. and we moved out here full time in 2018. I had invested out here as Brutal. an investment property in in 2010, um, and um, yeah, uh, as you know. So, and then I kind of sat around and I realized that you know a lot of my clients and their assets were in real estate, mm-hmm. and. Um, and I decided that I wanted to keep working, wanted to keep doing something. Sure. And it made a lot of sense. And I loved it out here. And I think, you know, today I, when I took the dog for a walk in the ocean and I came back to my house and then a neighbor pulled out of his driveway and he said, another day in paradise. Mm-hmm. And I think that was really the answer, right? I mean, it's like, yeah. why, you know, why'd you move out here and why are you out here? Why would you try to do something out here that levers off your history and past, you know, in terms of your experience? And yeah. that's really it. And, you know, so... There I am walking a dog at, at seven o'clock on the ocean, seeing a neighbor um, who's calling the day paradise. It's a beautiful day out here, mm-hmm. as a lot of these days are. Um, and then a truck drives by with uh, 
with uh, rowing skulls and in trailer behind it going down to the cove, Sag Arbor Cove. And, you know, and then I walk past a house that's under renovation that was purchased for six and a half million dollars. And it's a gut renovation. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, Time to make it your own, I guess. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, it, it is paradise. And I, yeah. and I think that's really the driving force behind the real estate market out here and, and why you wouldn't want to be a part of it. It's exciting. I mean, people, you know, thrive to come out here. They all summered out here, you know, over the summers. And now it's becoming, you know, more of a year round community that we talk about all the time. Uh, but happening in the real estate market now is we always hear about the low inventory. You know, is it the right time to invest? How these investments break down? And I know we were talking earlier about breaking down that purchase of a, of a property and how it looked a couple of years ago to how it looks now. And can you just paint that picture about purchasing a property, you know, on an analytical side of what you're looking at then versus the reality now? Yeah, I think so. I, I, I did pull a couple of numbers together. I thought it was kind of interesting and draw a full circle on it. Um, that kind of talks about why you should still invest in here um, in this market, even though the market's run up quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, I think, you know, if you look at if you look at um, Sag Harbor Village as an example, there are okay. roughly twenty one hundred properties in the village. Um, the tax base, which in 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 Sag Harbor is a hundred hundred percent valuation assessment. So um, the tax base for the village of Sag Harbor is over three billion dollars. So do the math; it's roughly a million and a half average um, price of a home. Okay. Um, what we've talked about internally here is just the the, the price trend and medium prices of homes mm-hmm. in the Hamptons have gone up from um, going up seventy percent pre pandemic to post pandemic. Unbelievable. Right. Um, which is a huge number. Yeah. And um, for any kind of investment return, if you want to look <laughs> at it that way, right? Um, but if you, you know, so if you look at, so, you know, one of the trends I think we've talked about the reason mm-hmm. why inventory is low is because of the cost factor of what's your next move in real estate, right? Okay. Um, if you had a 3% mortgage or a 3.5% mortgage and you're going to have to replace that 6.5%, that's roughly, a, you know, almost three times. So increase. break that down for me. Yeah, break, this is well, a huge issue. Yeah. This is a huge problem. Right. Me and Steve, we're in this problem. Like it's like it's a it's a weird problem because we have mortgages are three percent, and you know I don't want to move, but like you know everybody likes to think, okay, well, what's my next step or whatever. And it's like your stock. It's like I'm not going to give up. Well, you have to forgive that three percent and be comfortable with taking something at six or seven percent. Yeah, and this is what's happening all across, not just the Hamptons. This is a a countrywide issue. But Larry, can you break down those numbers? Like, give what was? Well, yeah. Give me a a purchase price back then versus a purchase price now. And well, I the the pure numbers. If you if you looked at pre-pandemic a house, it was you know a million dollars. Okay. Um, person put twenty five percent down. Mm-hmm. Um, finance the balance and the mortgage rate was going to be like roughly $3,300. For a million dollar home at the, in the factoring in a 3% mortgage rate on that? Yeah, three, I use three and a half. Three and a half. And you're looking at it. What'd you say the monthly? Uh, monthly mortgage would have been around 3,300. Not including 3,300. Yeah, gotcha. Okay. Not including taxes and insurance. <laughs> so now fast forward three years. Fast forward to today. Yep. Um, I didn't get the current rate this morning, but a thir- same 30 year mortgage at six and a half percent. Um, your purchase price now is going to, you know, the average, uh, you know, or based on the, on the increases would be a million seven for the same house, same house, million seven. Okay. Right. So you're financing, you, you know, if you put 25% down, you're financing a million, 
you know, $275,000, your mortgage payment would be over $8,000. <laughs> so you tell me it goes from, no, that can't be a 3% mortgage is 3,300 on a million dollars. Yeah. And now no, you're no, now, no, 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 no. Hang on. That, that can't be right. Yeah. Just for the, just for the mortgage. So then you have now a one point that now house is now going to be 1.7 at a six and a half rate. Right. Now it's eight. So you're, financing more, you're financing more money and with mm-hmm. a higher rate. So it just drives the numbers. And now that's eight. So let's, that's crazy. So, so how do you justify that? Well, I'll give you one real, I'll give you real, <laughs> one real life justification. Okay. So if you move from New York city out here, you pull your kid out of a $70,000 a year, private school education, right? The, you know, that, and on an after tax basis, right? That covers your mortgage payment <laughs> because you think you take the Sag Harbor school district, for an example, the, the school budgets, I got the number, the numbers this morning, they, you know, they sent out a publication, the new school budget is $45 million. There's roughly a thousand kids in the school district. That's $45,000 per pupil Okay, is the spend. Okay. That's, that's two times the New York state average, four times the U S average. So you're saying that the Sag Harbor school district, district and some of these school districts out here are as comparable to a private school I, you know I'm, in Manhattan? I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna speak to the educational quotient uh-huh. relative to other other school districts around the country and where they stand but I you know it covers a multitude of sin you're certainly of a lot more comfortable sending your kids to the public school out here than you would be in a public school well, in, plus, in the city. How bad can it be to go to yeah. school in paradise? It's not bad. I, I went to school. We all knew it growing up. I went to, I went to school at East Hampton high school and we were all highly aware of what we had at East Hampton <laughs> high school. We yeah. were like, the beach is right up the road. This is awesome. Like we have huge fields. The school is brand new. We had like Fresh a air. huge, awesome auditorium, the awesome sports. Like teachers were all cool. Like we all knew. So it's a good, so Larry, that's a good way to digest that increase of like, Hey, should I buy? But cause there's a lot of people, why would I buy when the interest rates are so high that value of the house, you know, is up to 1.7 now. Um, what's going to happen in the next 10 years. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I, I just use anecdotal evidence, right? Mm-hmm. In 2010, bought a house out here for $800,000. Do the math. The place is worth $3 million today, mm. roughly, give or yeah. take, right? That's, that's $2,200,000 on a $200,000 investment is the way I look at it. So you said mm-hmm. earlier, there's, there's no mm-hmm. guarantees, but this is close as you're going to get to a guarantee over the 10 year period. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's an 11 times turn. On, okay. on an investment. But the more interesting thing is the mortgage rate I took out at the time was five and three quarters. I never refinanced it mm. okay. right? until recently. So, <laughs> um, well, know, that's why everybody was saying they're like, well, the interest rates are high now. And it's like, well, comparatively, they're not. They're not. They're you not. Know, historically, they, they, by, it, yeah, historically, I guess. Historically, and I, I think that's, that's my history in the fixed income markets is to see where mortgage rates were. My, my first mortgage was at 17.5%. Woo! You know, right. it really, in, in, 19, you know, in 1980. That's wild. Like, now, to I, me, that, now, like, I, refinan- I refinanced, and that was a $65,000 purchase. Refinanced that down to, <laughs> to seven, no, seven and a quarter percent before I sold that. Yeah. Um, refurbished the house, and the house is worth, you know, today that same house is worth over a million and a half. You know, the know. interest rate issue is, is, is so strange because it's no secret that you know, the higher interest rates are having an, having an effect on buyers. Mm -hmm. And the idea is that, okay, that's going to bring prices down. And 
you know, then it's just a wash, you know? Okay. So you, you still have to borrow the money at, you know, 6%, your, your payment's still going to be the same. So it's like, what's the difference? You, you, you bought high during COVID for X amount of dollars and your payment is one. And then the idea I assume is, is that prices would come down because 6% would bring the purchasing power down. And what's fascinating is that either it's happening not at all, or it's happening pretty darn slow because we've been at 6% for a while and these prices are, people are just not willing to let go unless, you know, they feel like they, they're getting a, a deal. I'm definitely, we're definitely seeing like things coming in that are priced well, Yeah, but we're not seeing people giving away their houses. No, that's not happening out here no. at all. And, no, I, you know, I, you know, I think I, th- I think the other point to that, though, is that, you know, you, you know, is, and which is not the national trend out here is like, you, you know, we'll go back to the same theme. You know, this is uh, this is a little slice of paradise. Um, yeah. yeah, we yeah. are. We, you know, we have their issues like other communities have issues um, that need to be addressed at the same time. You know, and say affordable housing and, and transportation are two of them out here. But, you know, and those that's you know that's what keeps the politicians working on those issues but i but i think the other thing is is that the way to look at the hamptons is it's an island mm-hmm. yeah. right um you have you have basically have one road to get here <laughs> so you know so it it's basically an island and they're not making any more land right um you know we've talked about it in other podcasts that you know some of the best trades some of the best real estate trades i think today going forward are a lot of these homes need uh renovation refurbishment updating for personal taste reasons for regulatory reasons whether it's cesspools and whatnot um and you're going to get your money back on those things and you know from from the investment standpoint and i you know that's so there may not be more land but there are ways to to make investments and make money on your investments here too let me ask this larry because you're just smart with money and um you know, I want, I want to know. So this, <laughs> these, this banking crisis that is going on where you have, uh, you know, relatively small banks going under like SVB first Republic just got bought. Is that affecting Are people like, Hey man, maybe I should get my money out of the bank and put it in real estate. Are people, are you experiencing that at all? I think you can use the banks to, I think you use the banks to help you with, with that. Right. I mean, you, there's all sorts of products that are in place. Um, to help in the banking system. I think, I, you know, what, what we went through in, in the financial crisis 2009 does not exist today. I mean, with some of the smaller banks, there are very real issues that affected those, the, the two or three banks that, that we've seen have problems. Um, and you can read about them. But I think the other thing is, is that there are a lot less banks in this country than there were, you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Yeah. And the banks that have the majority of the assets um, are too big to fail and the government, you know, and you know that's what I don't like about that. I mean, that's to get like, a, like on a macro scale is that what happens when the only bank out there is too big to fail, well, then it becomes kind of a banana Republic. Then it becomes like, well, they can just do whatever. Well, and, but, the, but it's they government. know they're yeah. too big to fail. So they're like, well, why would we, you know, why wouldn't we take advantage of that? Well, there are about, there are about 10 banks that make up the majority of the assets in this, yeah. in this country. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, you know, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing and <laughs> time will tell, <laughs> but that's been a trend that's been going on for forever. forever. I know. Yeah. You know but now just, we're like getting to the point where it's like, oh wow, they're really, like you just said, there's only 10, mm-hmm. 10 years from now, maybe there'll only be two. Well, you to know? your, your point, And this was, uh, 
going back a little bit, but that uh, $800,000 house, yeah. you called it a 11% or so return on a $200,000 investment. You well, didn't 11, spend- 11 11%. times. 11, 11 times, sorry. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So you didn't call it a, an $800,000 investment because I assume that 200,000 was your down payment. Yeah. So the rest is like that that idea of a good debt, you know, that well, the bank- It's a leverage, it's a leverage play. Yeah. It's like taking margin out to buy a stock portfolio. Right. right. You know, so, Dad, you use this term good debt a couple of times. And can you just expand on that? Because my brother was listening to this podcast the other day and he laughed. He was like, oh, good debt. He's because like, like Larry said, it's, it's leverage. You're using, <laughs> you you're know? using other people's money to make money. He's spent $200,000 on an $800,000 house. So it's only, so his return is on his $200,000, not the full purchase price of the house. So instead of, so he's using somebody else's money to make money. Dave, Am I wrong that, in, that, in that, that explanation? Actually, that's what leverage that's like running that's on, on full I mean, speed. That's, but that's business. I think it's just coffee. I, this said decaf, but I think, <laughs> I think it was labeled. Incorrectly. I just call it good debt because it's like it's like if you can borrow the money and still make the money, you know, like it then sounds that's good. That's I want what some it good is. Debt. Yeah. You know, now if you take out a loan I mean, it's for a good debt, <laughs> it's a, I call it good debt because it's an appreciating asset. If you buy a car, I, I that's bad that. debt, right? I mean, like theoretically, yes. like yes. you buy a car, it depreciates. The, the second, second you roll off the lot, the, it's going. Like down. now, you're you're in. You owe money on Correct. something that you cannot turn around and immediately sell for more than you bought it for. Well, You've already taken a hit, right? So, like, if you buy that yeah, hundred thousand dollar Mercedes, the, the the to come back at you uh, is, you know. You're making the comment that there's no risk involved in there's borrowing against the asset, and you know, uh, and uh, you know, a real estate asset can go down. So it's good debt if you can afford the debt long term. Then there's no risk. Yes, yes, yes. But there's risk if yes. if the debt is stressful for you. Yes, yes, yeah. Well, there's there's Agreed. always risk in, in investing in any yeah. whether, whether you put money down or not. You put money in the stock market with nothing down, you have taking yeah. risk. My head's spinning. Plus, now you have all that equity built up in this initial loan that you can borrow against, and it's like no. Well, there's a lot of people out there, and sophisticated people. I mean, you you run into it. I, I run into it sometimes. Like people who have lots of money. You know, people, I was sitting next to this couple at a restaurant at um, Lulu's. And somehow we started talking and they were like sophisticated people. They both worked at, at banks and Barclays and, or whatever. I forget where they worked. But their sh- stress about real estate purchases is, is so real. And it made me realize in that moment, it doesn't matter like how much money you have. Real estate is an intimidating purchase for whoever it is. It's always an intimidating purchase. It's, it's funny. So like... And, you know, like I know people that will buy a stock, they'll spend it, you know, they'll be like, ah, oh, let's throw $10,000 at Apple. Who cares? You know, right. but nobody says, eh, let's just go spend, uh, you know, a few million on that house. Who cares? Nobody says that when we, and it's just interesting to me. No, and they shouldn't. I mean, that, that's, no, I know, but it, I'm just saying, right, but I know. think that's the point that gets back to the point of that part of the real estate investing part of the real estate out here. It's just so is, serious. It's an investing proposition. Yeah. yeah. Serious. It's interesting, Dave. I like what you said. Yeah, yeah, dude. It's so easy to just click a button and put the three million into that stock, but yeah. when it when it comes to purchasing the property, you're like, I do not want to mess this up. Yeah, and then when it's you a get lot more when, and then when you get through the other side, I really feel like you see things so clearly. Just from my personal perspective, I've only done it three times, but the three times that I did it, 
buying out. Man, I was scared. And I just didn't want to do it. And like, I was just like really trusting in my advisors and really trusting and, you know, people that I really felt were looking out for me and they were pushing me to move forward with it. And then, then on the other side of it, I was like, oh, you know, they were right. You know, so funny. Every time I bought a house, it's been within an hour. Yeah. Like we'll sit there and make a decision. Yeah. You know, it's like, we just, but, but if you were to ask me to like put money into the stock, it's like, you know, you're, you know, you, you know. (laughs) <laughs> anyway, all right. Let's get to the numbers for 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 the the big picture. All right, with this, Steve. This past week, there were 21 listings that went into contract from Westhampton to Montauk. When you compare it to the same week last year in 2022, there were 31 listings that went into contracts. So that's a year-over-year decrease of 32 percent. The same week in 2021, there were 62 listings that went into contract. When you compare it to 2023, it's a decrease of 66 percent. The breakdown of these 21 transactions are one between 10 and 20 million, three between six and eight, two between two and four, six between two and four, Oh, I'm sorry, two between four and six, six between two and four, and nine under two million. The dollar volume was 79 million this past week compared to last year of 100 million, so it's a decrease of 21%. And two years ago, the dollar volume was 218 million in one week, which is a decrease of 64%. But good news, there were 34 new listings that came onto the market, so that increases the inventory by 13 listings. And the breakdown of those 34 new listings, there was two over 20 million, five between 10 and 20 million, two between eight and 10 million, two between six and 8 million, three between four and 6 million, 10 between two and 4 million, and 10 under 2 million. The inventory stands at 1,742 total listings with 1,262 active and 480 in contract. Hey, you know, on, on the numbers, you know, you, you said the, the in contracts were down. But an inter- interesting point about the in-contract numbers that you did the comparison on. Yep. So the the average price on the 21 in-contracts last week was $3.76 million per. Okay. Um, last year with the 31, it would have been $3.1 million per. Wow. So it's so an increase. Exactly. And in oh. the height of the pandemic, um, which we all say was inflated numbers, the, uh, the average of those numbers was 3.5. So, man, positive news all around. Prices, I like medium prices are going up. On. Yeah, it's always refreshing. You, you break to it down and like you that. find out so much stuff when you really analyze those those numbers. You have 21 listings, whatever, but when you really go dissect those 21 one by one and you get a, like like Larry said, the median price um, has gone up over the past two years. Positive note, good to see. Um, all right, so let's send it over to Dave for what's uh, what's happening. Mother's yeah. Day weekend Mother's Day in weekend. the Hamptons. Yeah. It's Mother's Day weekend in the Hamptons. I got to go buy cards. So I have a plan for my wife. I just realized I don't really have a plan for my mother. I should probably include, include her. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, all right. Anyway, so Mother's Day brunch places, okay? All of these places that I'm about to name off are having a Mother's Day brunch specials. Pierre's in Bridgehampton, Gurney's in Montauk, the American Hotel, Rosie's in Amagansett, Calissa's in Watermill, Nick and Tony's in East Hampton, and the Hampton Maid, which is a place I have never been to ever uh, for brunch, but I always hear good things about the Hampton Maid. So those are my top picks for a Mother's Day lunch spot. If you want to do something kind of weird and unique for Mother's Day, you can do a Mother's Day sound bath at 10 a.m. at the church at 48 Madison Street in Sag Harbor. And we've spoken about this before. You literally lay down and you listen to sounds that are played by, I'm sure, a very rational and nice guy or girl that hits 
like little bowls that make interesting sounds that are good. It's for actually your, a wonderful event. It's good for your soul. You've done it before. I have done it. Yes. And you loved it. Yes, it was wonderful. So what happens? You just lay down and <laughs> well, you can lie. Do you down. feel you, like a connection with the other people there? Do you, you guys all talk? Yeah, it's like meditation a little bit. Meditation. It's, just, yeah, it's like group meditation. Yeah, yeah. But well, yeah. You're just, but you're you're there for by the yourself. But yeah, it's good for the soul. Gives you good clarity. Larry, you know, I was kind of making fun of it, and now I want to do it. Yeah, you should, Dave. The sound bath. Oh, man, that sounds good. All right. So sound bath. You want to do the sound bath together at 10 a.m.? It's Mother's Day. Uh, Mother's Bring Day. your mother. You can't do it. You got to right. be with mom. All right. So that sounds good. So <laughs> then we also, uh, other Mother's Day our ideas are uh, take her to Wolfer Estate Vineyards on Mother's Day. Um, they are going to be obviously f- fully open, um, but they're also going to have the uh, grass area open, so you can take her there. Um, and then, if you don't want to do anything for Mother's Day weekend, because it's, uh, it's all about Mother's Day weekend, but mm-hmm. a- another little positive thing for uh, the weekend is there's DJ playing every Friday and Saturday night at Calissa's at 10:30 p.m. So you get through Mother's Day, and then you want to party it up so at 10 night. Ten thirty p.m. is when they go on. Starts at ten thirty p.m. Well, that's Sunday. So May twelfth, wow. DJ Savas is going to be there, and May thirteenth, DJ Pepino is going to be there. So ten thirty. Sounds Listen to me, I'm so lame. I'm like ten thirty yeah. on a Sunday. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like ten thirty. Who's awake the then? What, what time you? Got? I got to bed at like nine thirty. Yeah, like nine nine thirty. Yeah, me too. Kids we're, are up at five. We're, we're old. They gotta be ready to go, man. Yeah, we are old men. All right, go for a walk on the beach. You wake up early enough, watch the sun. It's paradise, man. You know. Yeah, I'd rather wake up early than stay up late. But that's probably just you know. Walk Long Beach. You're a Long Beach guy, right? You you do the Long Beach. I, thing? No, I actually do Gibson. Oh, Gibson. Yeah, huh. I love Long Beach. Me too. Yeah. Anyway, uh, best sunsets at Long Beach. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Um, all right. So, Larry, anything else before we wrap it up? That was really, honestly, good information, as always. Live, live, live in paradise. It works. Call Larry Call to Larry. find a listing. Yeah, Call I like it. Call Larry for information. <laughs> um, right on. Okay, well, thanks for joining us. Uh, good info. Um, and that was your first time on the show. That's great. So, yeah. that's perfect. We will have you back on again. Uh, until then, I'm Andrew Dowd. That's our Thursday podcast. Everyone have a great weekend. That's what's happening in the Hamptons.